Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, you can check us out at yesodblocks.com, where we have this kind of content in much more expanded form. You can get access to that for only $9.99 a month. And not only do you get access to all of the Torah that we're currently developing and constantly sharing, but you also have the opportunity to then support what it is that we are doing so we can continue to do it and to do it in bigger and bigger ways. In this episode, we're continuing with our Erev Shabbos uh, halachos. We're in the, the Friday uh, set for this series, and we generally do Hilchos Shabbos on Friday, so uh, everybody can get an idea of how to think about the depth of halacha in area of Hilchos Shabbos. The area of the mitzvah of Shabbos is just a very large area because a lot of people experience Shabbos, a lot of people uh, keep Shabbos in some form or another at all different levels of Torah observance and Torah commitment, and so it's something which uh, is particularly central for a lot, a lot of people. And the world of Hilchos Shabbos is so uh, detailed and there's just so many things going on that to actually get access to what's going on underneath and how it all fits together, is, was, for me at least, was an invaluable experience. And I think that it's uh, something which um, it just it adds so much texture and color to the experience of Shabbos once we know what the point of all these halachos actually is. And so when you have so many halachos, as we've already discussed throughout the series, halacha is, uh, is this collection of details and practices which can become very overwhelming as you expose yourself to them and you start to feel like there's almost like a neurotic tendency here with just like all these things you have to do and there's so many things to fixate on and it really what it does is it actually activates the area of our mind that is the das tovara area the tendency that we have to tr- to develop perceptions that are a function of our experience a function of our preferential experience really uh, and then that means that we actually relate to things in a way that is not uh, accurately proportionate to their significance. And so the the world of halacha is particularly prone to that because we have this constant focus on the things that we're supposed to do with very little focus on the underlying mechanics, the underlying relationship dynamics, the underlying uh, nature and essence of who Hashem is and who we are. And so you end up having this situation where it's 95% halacha and then 5% underlying phenomena, underlying conceptions, underlying uh, dynamics. And so that's actually the exact opposite of what it should be, that it's really 95% underlying relationship and 5% practice. Just like in every other area of our lives, we generally practice things, we engage in activities as a function of underlying wantings, motivations, relationships, uh, interactions, all these dynamics that are constantly going on between ourselves and ourselves, between ourselves and other people, between ourselves and our larger environment, between ourselves and Hashem. And so this this mismatch of proportionate emphasis is what causes a lot of a lot of problems for for people trying to just be uh, involved in Torah and suddenly being exposed to this array of practical information that is not contextualized in its proper proportion. So the area of Hilchos is particularly prone to that, and we're gonna we're getting deeper now into the areas of Malacha, the discussions of the Halachos of Malacha. And in the last episode, we really we started uh, the Siman that we're in now, which is Reish Nun Bey's Siman two hundred and fifty two. Uh, which is the halacha, the, there's a bunch of the halachos here about uh, essentially starting malacha on Arab Shabbos in some form so that way it gets done for us without our involvement into Shabbos. And so it's kind of like setting something up to, to happen before Shabbos so that can then take place on Shabbos. And so 
We had examples uh, initially in the last episode of, of activities that you could do that you start on Arab Shabbos, and then they just there's no additional input required from you to bring the, those actions to their state of higher organized completion. And so those were things that were allowed in the different forms that we discussed in the previous episode. And the rest of Siman Reish Nunbet is basically uh, uh, ro- rotates around a couple other categories of this. So there's really, we could just break it down into two different things. Um, one is just uh, asking people who are not Jewish to do malacha for you right before Shabbos. In other words, if you go to somebody who's not Jewish and you say to them, can you please wash all of my clothing and do my laundry? So if you do it in certain kinds of ways, then what you're what you're doing is you're actually uh, setting up a situation in which somebody else is bringing higher states of organization and order through the application of consciousness in a permanent way in the world. So the malacha that's, that's involved in that example is the malacha of malabin, which is cleaning clothing, whitening, whitening fibers, whitening material. And so you're now asking somebody else to do that for you. And so, again, the big picture idea here is that you're not supposed to, burn, you're not supposed to engage on Shabbos in activities that bring higher states of order and organization to the world in a permanent way. That is the definition of creativity. And the issue with doing that is that then it brings your own consciousness into a funnel uh, position where now you're basically you're 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 feeding off of the energy of validation that you get when you bring change to the world in a permanent way when we when we are able to exercise our power of creating of bringing change to the world in a way that is more organized and then higher higher states of order that are permanent as a result of our own application of our own consciousness in the world when we do that we then feel validated in our own existence because we sense intuitively that we are someone because the, the Torah maps it out that you actually are someone you are this intangible self that is outside of existence and that is channeled through the body and its various layers layers of perception and thought and, and emotion and then the 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 neurological dynamics of your of your body and the the, the physical expression of that the, the different sensations that you have that's the practical side of your body essentially being activated inside of the world and so we we are this this alien being that is from outside in a certain way and we are then applying that to the natural order of existence which is a tendency towards disorder and towards greater disorganization so when we apply our consciousness to this disorderly environment and then bring higher states of order which through those higher states of order we then unlock new value we unlock new potential for for higher states of being so then that's the definition of creativity and when we do that so we experience a feedback loop where we suddenly see wow we actually are someone because look we left a mark on the world that really changed the nature of things and so that that experience that feedback loop that is the definition of creativity but it also comes with a potential risk which is that when you experience that feedback then you can start over identifying yourself your sense of value your sense of self-worth based on your creative power because you say to yourself look what i did look what i could do and as opposed to saying to yourself well that's my whole nature that's who i am i am an endless self that is divine and immortal that is now manifest into the world through the channel of my body and its associated components instead of seeing that totality of who you are you say wow let me just focus and think constantly about this thing that i did in the world uh look how i changed things look now how i made things better here and look how other people now give me uh more attention and they they give me more response and that shows that i must be someone i really do exist and then instead of getting our sense of existence from our own inner core the divine self that we are at our root which is really a shem self ultimately when you get to the very root of it 
So instead of defining ourselves through the lens of our true nature, we begin to objectify ourselves instead according to our creative accomplishments. And so that's the danger of malacha, and that all that is a function of das tovara, because the, t- the capacity to actually perceive yourself in that fragmented way is a result of the taint of the etzadas, because uh, ostensibly it could have been that you could just actually see your creativity exactly as it is, something very valuable that brings higher states of existence to the world without it then becoming the definition of your essence of who you are. We have a very hard time pulling ourselves out of our creative activities and actually seeing ourselves as who we are in our totality. And this is true of all kinds of creative acts, not just true if you, you know, built a skyscraper or something. It's true for little things and big things. Whenever you actually leave a mark on the world, so then there is this, uh, there is this slight funneling of yourself into the experience of the physical life that you're leading to the point where it starts to tell you, oh, this is actually who you are. And so there's big examples and little examples, and that's really what all the malachos are. There's lots of different kinds of categories here. And the tricky part is that because in the world today, uh, many of us, as I mentioned in the last episode, we don't actually get involved in agriculture. We don't get involved in particular hands-on activities that are the source of a lot of the things that we experience in our lives, the food that we get in the stores, the the homes that we live in, the usage of the various machines that we use, like cars and all these kinds of different devices that we're constantly using that bring uh, bring higher uh, quality of life for us. They're all a function of other people who are actually engaging in these creative acts in different forms all the time. And so we might look at malacha and say, I don't understand why sorting things is a malacha. I don't understand why tying knots is a malacha. And that's because we are, we are not really in touch with the defining characteristic of malacha uh, across the board. Instead, we have our own experience of malacha in our own personal lives. And then we hear about, you know, well, in the old days, they used to do these things. Well, it's actually not in the old days. The way that food is still acquired, prepared, grown, and harvested out of the ground is still the same today. It's just that we have machines that help us do it even more quickly and at higher uh, higher volume. But the uh, the actual procedures are the same, and it's just that we are not engaged in them. For us, food comes from the store and does not come from our own creative acts. It comes from the creative acts of other people, though, and we just have a hard time seeing that. So the, the vast... Uh, diversity of activities in today's world as a function of the vast diversity of accomplishments in the world basically means that now we have a hard time really relating to a lot of things that are malacha. And so we're going to see more and more examples of that as we go. But the core underlying principle of all of these, and for us to basically tap into that, is that malacha is simply the permanent change in the world that brings higher states of order and, and, and organization as a function of the application of your own conscious thought. And so that is that is something which the more you you centralize the, your ideas of what creativity actually is around that core principle, the more you'll be able to access perceptions of these things that are that are more accurate, such that when you actually engage in malacha and Shabbos, instead of feeling like, well, what did I even really just do? You can actually start to sense, yeah, that's something which I could see why that is actually a permanent change. So within that framework, we have the rest of the halachos of this siman. We're not going to read all of them. We'll read a few of them now. But the... Um, the main ideas here are that there are basically uh, a set of malachos here about having non-Jewish people do malacha for you, which there's a is, what's called an isr de Rabbanan, uh, where Chazal, the sages of the Talmud, came in and said that uh, there are lots of ways for us to actually engage in malacha activities indirectly that then allow them to take place, even if we're not really doing them in the way that's overtly a problem. And the issue with these kinds of, with, with halacha, essentially, is halacha is like, a, is like a system of laws. Systems of law, we don't just leave things up to... Um, Undef- un- lack of definitions, to, to no definitions. We have to define every situation so that we can know exactly how to apply a particular 
principle. Otherwise, there's a subjective element involved where you could actually see an argument why you could do it either way. So having non-Jews do things for us on Shabbos is a good example of this, because if you go and you ask a non-Jewish person to engage in malacha for you, so then that means that now somebody else's consciousness is actually bringing higher states of order to the world in your name for you. And the question is, does that impact your sense of self in terms of your own creativity, that now you actually are the instigator of change in the world on a creative level? Does that actually... Uh, uh, pull you in in an intense way such that now you over-identify with your creativity just like you would if you were doing it yourself. And the answer to that question is that according to the Torah, the answer is no. If you ask another person to do malacha for you who's not Jewish, so they're not part of this particular, uh, the, the Jewish people role, which is the, the, our role as a, as on, on the whole, and we'll just mention this briefly now, is we are the conduit for Hashem's presence into the rest of the world. In other words, if, if the world is currently infected with das tovara, such that there is a lot of distortions, a lot of accumulations of perceptions, cultural accumulation of perspectives that are a function of people's preference as opposed to a function of truth. So then that means that now our job is to be the funnel, the conduit for Hashem's presence in a world that has essentially blocked out his presence because Hashem's presence, just like the presence of our own inner selves, is very easily blocked out. You can get very immersed in your creativity and forget who you are, and people can get very immersed in their various perceptions and creative, both creative and otherwise, and totally not remember that there is a conscious self that is manifest as all being. And even though there are many ways to see that, but it's very hard to actually do it if you're just involved in a particular cultural milieu of your time. And so that's our job is to be this this conduit between Hashem's presence and and the rest of the world. So that means that there's all these mitzvot that are designed to constantly combat das tovara inside of us in every possible setting, so we can purify our minds as much as possible and actually really be a clear lens for the light of Hashem to pass through us and then hit the rest of the world so everybody can actually experience Hashem because of the things that we are sharing. And so if you're not part of the Jewish people, then you don't have to actually keep all the laws, all the practical uh, halachos of Shabbos, and you don't actually have to keep Shabbos at all. And so then the question becomes, well, can I engage in creative activity that brings higher states of order if I'm not the one actually doing it, I can actually ask a non-Jewish person to do it for me, and they can do it on Shabbos, while I can just actually not do any malacha and then experience what Shabbos is all about. So the answer to that question is yes. If you are, if according to the Torah, you can actually do that. You can simply not do malacha and ask somebody who is not Jewish to do it for you. The only problem with that, that, that we have these these takanos, they're called essentially uh, uh, bulwarks, they're repairs, they're, they're things that are designed to help to keep the ship afloat. The problem is that these these repairs come from uh, the sages of the Talmud who basically look at these types of situations and assess, well, if we let this happen in this way, so what will actually take place? And so even though it's true that uh, according to the Torah, there is actually no problem with us asking somebody who is not Jewish to actually do malacha for us on Shabbos, so the sages of the Talmud said, well, the problem here is das tovara. Das tovara means that we develop preference, we develop perceptions based on our preferences. So it's very easy at that point to then basically say, okay, well, if, if everybody was very clear-minded and we constantly saw things as they were, so then you could actually maintain your clarity while asking a non-Jewish person to do malacha for you, and you could then detach yourself from the malacha that's taking place 
completely and then uh, they would just be the ones do it, doing it and you wouldn't. But because people's perceptions tend to fluctuate dramatically based on their own personal experiences and, and preferences, so then you will find there are people who are actually thinking in their heads, hey, I can get things done this way on Shabbos that uh, otherwise I wouldn't be able to get done. And I want to get those things done and knock them out so I can accomplish more. And that would be exactly what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to not accomplish on Shabbos through the usage of malacha. And when you find ways to say, oh, this is great, it's so efficient, I can have somebody else do this malacha for me while it's Shabbos, and then I can get things done that way, that means that now you kind of missed the point of this, and so your 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 perceptual framework is still attached to the activities being engaged in by the non-Jewish people, and then you are actually not separating yourself from malacha in a clear way. And so that's actually going to undermine the experience of Shabbos. And so there we have this, this takana of Chazal, the sages of the Talmud, who said there's something called Amir La'akum, which is asking a non-Jewish person to do malacha is something which they prohibit, and they say as an extension of the laws of the Torah, of the framework of the, of the of practical halacha application of the Torah, we are going to add certain things to protect people from their das tobara starting to uh, poison and distort the Torah, uh, the Torah framework that is at work here, and so that's really what this next set of halachos actually is. Because there's actually uh, there are cases where it's completely okay to have a non-Jewish person do things for you uh, on Shabbos, and there are cases where it's not okay. So if it's actually Shabbos and you walk up to a non-Jewish person and ask him to do malacha for you, that's an example of something which is not okay. You're not allowed to do that because the the issue with human beings and das tovara is that it's hard for us to know how to draw the line there and actually maintain the perceptions we need to have. Notice, by the way, that what I said earlier, that for many of us, it's not even easy to actually see that malacha is even malacha. So it could be even harder then to appreciate why it's a problem to ask a non-Jewish person to do something for you on Shabbos, to turn on something, turn off something, to to do any kind of malacha, you might say to yourself, well, what's the big deal? I don't get why this is even a problem. Well, the core of that is, like, what's the big deal of, of tying, you know, a permanent knot on Shabbos? What's the big deal of untying a permanent knot on Shabbos? Why is that even a big deal? What's the big deal of sorting uh, when you're eating salad to set, take, take, taking out things from the salad that you don't want? Why is that a big deal? And so that's the issue here is that we have to understand exactly what malacha is and really see the world through the lens of the of the idea of bringing greater order to a disorderly world uh, through the application of our consciousness, uh, permanent order. And so that's that's why you'll find that once you see things that way, then you'll understand how asking somebody else to do that for you, even if it's not you the one doing it, is actually going to bring you still into that headspace. So that's the example of asking a non-Jewish person on Shabbos to do things for you. But in Siman Reish Nun Beis 252, so we're talking here about you setting things up before Shabbos so they actually happen on Shabbos. And so that's really uh, in Seif, um, uh, Bet, and Gimel, and Dalit here. So just to read you an example for, for a second, in Seif Bet it says, You're allowed to give your clothing to a non-Jewish laundry, laundromat, uh, or other kinds of uh, like uh, materials that you want them to process them in some way. You can do it right before Shabbos. Im lo damim. If you if you told him that you're going to pay him, you told him how much you're going to pay, so you have a set price. So if you go to this non-Jewish laundromat and say, yeah, like a you know dry cleaners or something like that, and then you you're you're allowed to do this right before Shabbos, even though you know he's going to do this laundry for you on Shabbos. 
So the reason you're allowed to do this is because since you set a price with him, so now it's basically as if it's his. You're paying him for a service, so you're able to let go of it and say, okay, he's just gonna go do that, and it's something which has nothing to do with me. It's you know that, That's actually how we work today. If you drop off dry cleaning at a dry cleaners, you're not thinking to yourself, man, this is great. Now I'm getting more stuff done on Shabbos that I couldn't get done before because I have somebody else doing it for me. The reason is because since you paid for it, so it's basically now as if you sold the, like you, you, you bought the services from that person, and now there's this separation between you and that person. You basically, you gave him the clothes to be cleaned, and that's and that's that's not you anymore. Now it's separate from you, and it's him just doing it uh, in his own way. That's You paid him to do it the way that he wants to do it. If you weren't paying him to do it, then it would be usser because, and that's what's brought, what's mentioned here, is that in a situation like that, in certain situations it would be usser, the reason would be because then he's doing it for you in a very direct way, and it's like he's it's like he's working for you. It's like he's your servant, your extension, and then it's just you're doing it, just he's doing it for you. And so that's the idea here that there that again this is another way that you could do malacha without actually doing malacha. And the question is, where do you draw the line as to whether or not you're actually considered to be doing malacha such that now it causes this problem? And it's a little bit subjective. You know, every person is a little different. Some people could probably ask a non-Jewish person to do malacha for them on Shabbos and not experience any involvement in that malacha and not sense to themselves, hey, this is great. I'm getting malacha done for me that I couldn't do. So now I can cover both bases. I can keep Shabbos, but also get stuff done. Not realizing that that's actually... Um, you know, to actually see it that way is, is a violation of what Shabbos is. Some people would see it like that. Some people wouldn't. Some people could actually separate themselves from it entirely and not even think about it and say, I'm not doing malacha. That person's doing it. So the, but the, the actual halacha, the way it's set up is that we have specific lines drawn here to prevent the, the subjective variance that we have inside of people. And so if you're paying somebody, then in this, in this example, so then it's okay as long as you, you did it before Shabbos. So it's similar to turning something on before Shabbos and then leaving it. Like we had examples uh, in the previous episode of soaking things before Shabbos, starting them soaking. Uh, so here also, you started something before Shabbos and you paid him to do it. So now what's getting done in your name, it's him doing it himself and it's not really you. And that's a clearly defined demarcated line according to everyone, uh, no matter what kind of person you are, if you're doing it that way. So you're not going to see that malacha as, as attached to you. And even if you have a rare exception that there is some person who does still see it that way, that's really, that would also be called das tovara according to halacha and the Gemara because now you're just, you're you're experiencing a perception that is not true. Since you're paying the person to do it, so the truth is that he's actually doing it himself, and it's separate from you to that degree, that it is not considered to be you doing it. Even if you perceive it as actually being an extension of you, it still isn't. And that's just your own distorted perception in that other direction in that case. So that's basically uh, how to approach these areas of halacha that have to do with non-Jews. That's the overarching framework. There's actually a lot of halachos that we skipped in the earlier parts of Elchel Shabbos that relate to this area, and so you can check those out with this underlying perspective in mind in terms of how to understand exactly what the thing is here. And there really are, again, these two different sides. Like, is it uh, you doing it or not? And that's really uh, a question, first of all, in terms of your own perception of, of malacha to understand that, and then to understand that Chazal instituted these different uh, uh, systems in place to reduce subjectivity and reduce the variance that people have because of their das Torah tendencies, which is why even if the Torah allows this kind of malacha, uh, we still do not engage in it except under a specific circumstances. So that's the end of those three halachos in Reish Nun Beis. Again, that was Seif, Beis, Gimel, and Dalid. And then we didn't really read all them, but they all contain uh, references to these things. And then after that, we have a few, couple more halachos of things you can do on Erev Shabbos, which we'll explore in the next episode. So we actually get to sort of close this out as an issue and then start even more intensive malacha discussions in the ensuing episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode. Have a great Shabbos.